Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Here we go. Week four, lesson finale for core strength. I have really enjoyed this series, and I have loved the feedback from this series. Um, So I'm thankful about what God has done. Let's pray specifically over the teaching of his word. Lord, we thank you. You've been here in a mighty, in a powerful way. I pray that you would help me to teach efficiently and effectively over the next half hour to relay these principles from your word, that you might be exalted and that the body of Christ would be edified. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. I remember last week we talked about the power of the Holy Ghost and then we talked about prayer and fasting. We had a little fun when we got into the topic of fasting. I believe everybody probably has tried to take some time. I've, I had many people reach out to me about fasting as a result of last week. And so I appreciate you trying to get engaged about that. So we we go into this last week starting with this first topic about the church, the church. And I I will tell you this, every person has to come to the personal decision, is this my church or is this just the church I go to? And it is a choice. I will tell you something that I, while it is frustrating for me at times, it's frustrating for every other pastor Every pastor pastors by permission of those he pastors. Different people allow at different levels. I've told you this before. But when it comes to the other side of that coin, so to speak, it's from the attendant. Is it my church or just the church I go to? Let's talk about it a little bit tonight. What is the church? It's defined in scripture as the ecclesia or the called out ones. Simply stated, the church is not just a building. In fact, originally, it's not based on a building. It's based on the people. Now, we understand the necessity of a place to gather, but we are the church. Lest we ever think that who we are can cease with the walls of this building, we would be woefully mistaken. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 12, the church is compared to a body. According to the same verse, it's one body, with many members. How many know we are not all the same? <laughs> we are different. We are different. And thank God for it. If everybody was like you, <laughs> some of you that'd be okay. Some of us it'd be tragic. Okay, according to the verse that follows, the Spirit unifies the members in the body. So while we are all different, we are all unique, we are eclectic in what we like and what we do, the Spirit helps unify and help us to flow with fluidity and in motion. And, and if you think, you think, well, I don't know that it's that necessary that everybody works together. Have you ever, have you ever stubbed just your little toe? It'll hurt in your eyeballs. <laughs> the whole body, the whole body feels it. 
In fact, your body reaches to it. It's a reaction. Stub your toe, what do you do? Ah! The whole body wants to go to it. Unless you're the upright person. That... <laughs> but it should be that when a part of the body hurts, the rest of the body reaches towards it. To, and the goal is to recover it and to keep it from further harm. I promise you, 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 you hit your toe a couple times on the same piece of furniture, you will move that piece of furniture. Because moving your toe, nobody ever thinks, wonder if I should amputate the toe or move the furniture. <laughs> but if we're not careful, we will casually cut out pieces of the body. Amen. God's church is intentionally designed to be diverse. That's why I don't like it when everybody, we've talked about this, but let's, let's just use a little humorous portion here. Okay? We're different. Y'all, we look different. We like different. It is. You know you're different from each other. You ever been supposed to go to lunch with somebody and they choose a place and you're thinking, one of my closest friends, the only thing he wants to eat is a plain hamburger. That's it. Plain hamburger. No ketchup, no cheese, no nothing. And so he only wants to go like two or three different places. Uh, so we don't go to eat much, but <laughs> we're different, okay? We like to feast, and, and in this church, we, we have people that feast on different things. We've talked about this, okay? We have different styles and genres of music. If you, if you would look closely at our our services, our worship sets, as we would call them, they're a set list. You would see that we try to strategically weave from different genres and from different ages and generations. Okay? Elders, every now and then we need to sing a hymn. Praise God. I thought I'd get a stronger amen than that. Maybe we don't need to. I'm going to give you one more chance. Every now and then we need to sing a hymn. Okay, I thought you were here. I was just making sure. Every now and then we slip in a little southern gospel. Every now and then just a little bit of, yeah, oh, hey. He said, amen, praise God. You know, it's just, it's a part of being eclectic, and it's our context. We, we, we bring our own context, likes and dislikes to the body, but where we better all agree is that the body needs to work in a fluid motion together, serving, guarding, keeping, and protecting one another. So what, what is my church's responsibility to me? Because there are some great assumptions. How many know we, we live in a pretty self-serving world? We really do. We, we live in a world that we expect to serve us while we still hear statements like, well, no one owes you anything. I would, I would say that some of those statements have gone away and we live in a very entitled generation, okay? Uh, I don't want to get too far with this, but I'm going to tell you hard work is still needed and necessary. But what's my church's responsibility to me? In regards to salvation, I would, I would tell you the church's primary responsibility is to provide a place where we learn about and experience salvation. Truth is, I want you to be happy, but I'm way more interested with you being holy. And not, I'm going to say something. 
Not holy based on a grading scale by men. When I say holy, I mean to be like God. Because you cannot separate God from holy. I've listened to people talk passionately about holiness and barely mention the Lord. All right. We're going to get there. Okay. In regards to salvation, I need them to teach. You need me and you need every teacher, every leader, every ministry to teach and to preach about salvation. In regards to doctrine and discipleship, the greatest role of the pastor and the leadership is to preach and teach. I'm going to do everything I can to give pastoral care and to have meetings. And if someone's in the hospital, I'm going to call. I'm going to try to come or I'm going to send people. We're going to pray. I promise you we're going to pray. We're going to do all those things. But my most important role is to preach and teach truth. If you ask our staff, our staff would tell you, here's what Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night to me is the World Series. It's the world. To stand before you right now, I don't care. Here's because here's what I believe. I don't, it doesn't matter what you endured today. One moment in the presence of God with the body of Christ, with the body of believers. Woo! I'm telling you, one real good moment in the presence of God. And everything can change. In regards, to, in regards to connection and ministry, it is vital to the health of the church that the members fellowship with one another. Try not to be the person that always shows up late and always leaves early. Okay? You're not always that busy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I know busy. Me and busy have been friends for a long time. I get busy. Brother Faulkner, I bet you know a little bit about busy. Do you know a little bit about? I'm going to tell you this right now. As busy as you are, schedule a little time to fellowship the body. It's critical. Well, I'm an introvert. Well, crawl out a little bit. Just a little bit. I'm not asking you to become the spokesman for, uh, you know, charismatic lifestyle. Hey, that's probably not going to be you. But maybe five minutes to say hi to a few people. I'm going to say something really strong. If you've been here for a year and you can't point out several first names and several people don't know yours, you've almost had to be intentional about that. Okay. We've got a fellowship with the body. Now we're going to do our best to make ways for that. We got, we got all kinds of ministries, all ways to connect. And if you're not being able to connect with your team leader, that, that might be my fault more than theirs. Maybe I haven't given enough jobs. We're trying to do that. But maybe you're not getting an opportunity to serve or you want to get to know more people. We have a host of ways to get involved. Just find a way to get involved. Ephesians 4, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Watch this for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. I believe that we are meant to work and we are meant to do the work so that the work of ministry can be accomplished. But I believe that the body helps edify the body. I believe it's biblical. In regards to worship, we have to believe. Uh, Dr. Anderson recently, he gave me a new book that I was reading. I, I, I love worship and, and uh 
Not just, not just what we reference as a worship set, but just biblical worship. And what does that mean? You know, it started at Sinai. was the first chapter in this book. I, I, I really love it. And according to John in the New Testament, John 4, true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. So here's, here's what my obligation is to you, that we do not worship our worship. That our worships, yes, gifting, talent, ability, but that we don't worship our worship leaders. I don't want to have a church where we have to have cheerleaders. But I want everything from the platform and the pew to be directed upward. Because if you really study worship, we don't start worship, he did. He draws. This is the amazing thing about worship. It'll be a fascinating little study for you. Okay? He draws worship and then he inhabits the praise. So we've got to have a church. We've got to have a church like that. What's, what's my responsibility? So my church owns me those things. What do I owe the church? I'm glad you asked. How about attendance? Hebrews 10.25 teaches us to be faithful to assemble together. And I'm going to tell you what. I really feel like I'm just, I'm preaching to the choir, right? I'm teaching the choir. You're here on Wednesday night. You to faithful. You're, you're awesome. You're at church. Why are we here? Because we believe in it, right? But why do we believe in it? For the Bible tells me so. That we assemble together, okay? What's my, what's my responsibility to the church, to God's church on evangelism? Well, Acts 1.8 tells me he gave me power. After that, the Holy Ghost would come upon you. In Matthew 28.19, Jesus gives us that great commission that we had to go. What is that commission? Go to all nations, teach them, baptize them, be an example. Educate them for observance. We usually stop short, but that's where it goes. That they would observe. Man, how much better would our city be if everybody would just observe that he is God? I'm telling you, there'd be so much more peace. There would be so much less, just less chaos. So how do I do that? Well, here's how I, here's how I do it as a believer. And as a, my responsibility to my church is to make sure that my church wouldn't need to be embarrassed that I have a Calvary decal on my car. <laughs> and moving on. <laughs> In regards to being positive or negative with my words. This is biblical. We think this is just practical. This is biblical. Positive talk about your church will attract others. Negative talk about your church will drive them away. Oh, for the I, listen, if you're one of those people that has to vent, vent to God, find you a real good believer that can handle your crazy and talk to them, but for the love of God, do not vent to your neighbor. Do not vent to your backslidden child. Do not, backsl do not vent to your crazy aunt who's always looking for something. Well, I like to talk to them because they listen. Mm, I know why they listen. What's Ephesians say? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but, 
that which is good, the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, let it be put away with you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Just in case you're in a situation right now where you, 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 you can't forgive them, then you need to ask why you expect God to forgive you. Now, I'm going to tell you, forgiveness is easier said than done. But it's necessary, okay? How many know that most of us, or at least many of us, are living for God because somebody invited us to church? And even if you say, well, I was raised in the church, then your mom brought you, or your dad brought you, or your grandparent, somebody had the wherewithal to bring you to encounter Jesus Christ. I will tell you, I believe, according to this text, we will be judged on what we have done with our witness. We will be judged on it. And most of it is based on the hidden things of your heart. Most of your judgment, I can't even... There's some things I'm, I can't give account for. I want God to be able to say, you did good. They were just a stinker, weren't they? They were... But you know my goal? I hope, I hope to God, in fact, I pray that everybody in this church is saved and sanctified and ready to go. And when I say that, I mean ready to make heaven your home, that you might be able to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But if you're a servant, you will often feel like it. To be a servant of Christ, it means you were not a servant of your flesh. You serve the spirit and not your flesh. Not the ideologies, the customs. Amen. Praise God. What about in regards to tithes and offerings? What's my responsibility to my church? So what is a tithe? Maybe you're hearing you're saying, I've heard of a tithe. What is that? A tithe is simply the first 10%. I do want to say this according to text. It is the first 10%, not the last 10% if it's left. Okay? Okay. Uh, According, according to my belief in Scripture, I don't even think that we give God our tithe. I think we just bring it back. I think we return our tithe to the Lord. Okay? I don't think anyone's exempt from that. I think, I think we need that. Malachi 3, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, thereby there, there may be meat in mine house. Prove me. Now, herewith. I'm going to tell you, if you try to prove God, he'll always prove faithful. Somebody be a witness to that and say amen. amen. Saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I will take that kind of blessing. It's like the uh, little story some of you have heard. The gentleman was asked by his friend, hey, how's that new job going? Man with new jobs said, well, I love the job. I got to be honest, it's amazing. I've doubled my salary. It, it, it's incredible. But friend to friend, I got to tell you, it's hard for me to give $100 a week to tithes. He said, when it was only 50, he said, I felt manageable. He said, well, I'll start praying that God will give you that half salary job back. <laughs> if we put things into perspective, we got to remember, and I, I need it to be stated very clearly. 
When we return our tithe to the Lord, it shows our trust in Him. It shows our faith in His faithfulness. Because while we, while we get excited about a lot of things in this Bible, you're not going to find any topic more than finances, any more than money. And if I didn't, I, I told somebody, it was probably 12, 12 years ago or so, and I, I, I told somebody, I would never want to be embarrassed of my giving statement if anybody else saw it. Because the most important one does. Amen? I, I, I'm telling you, I was just raised and taught it's a blessing to give. And I'm going to say something right now. This is a giving church. This is a church that understands the principles. Aren't we thankful to be a part of a church that is a giving church? We return... We return our tithes, but we give. We give in offerings above and beyond. I've had people come to me and say, well, what, what do I give in offerings? And I, I typically say, you give to the work of God up above and beyond your tithe. Do not count your tithe as your offering. Your offering is what you give. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. You give it as under the Lord. Sometimes we give offering to, to missionary needs. Sometimes we give offering to kitchens, praise God. Sometimes we give offering, and, and there's a multitude of ways, but I give an offering on a regular basis for the work of the church and things to be done, and, and, and we understand that. But I never give. I never give begrudging. Had a little kid so excited this week, so excited, ran up to me and told me that they had saved up $135. I said, whoa, what are you going to do with that? Big smile, I'm giving it all to missions. I want to be a part of a church like, now how many know God will turn around and give them? I don't know how it works, I just know it works. Praise God. Made me feel like, man, I got to up my missions offering. I was thankful and upset at the same time. Every man according as he's purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So that's my responsibility to the church. That's kind of the revolving around the church. Let's move now in this core, core strength. So if the church is more than a building, a church is me, then let's talk about God's holiness and our apostolic identity. Because I do, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's more than a good topic. I think it's necessary. I think it's necessary. Let us consider what the scripture says about holiness and how we can identify ourselves as children of God. Here's what I have vowed. It's what I've committed. It's, it's, it's what I was trained. I want to be a pastor, not a pester. I don't want anybody pulling a, a ruler out to measure. Well, we ain't doing that. That's not how we're doing it. Okay? But I do think there are some ways we need to guard. I think there's some lifestyle disciplines that we need. Let's talk about it a little bit, okay? When you get married, it's, it's not enough just to stop dating other people. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's separation from them, but that doesn't mean you've really been into full commitment to the one you've married yourself to. Dedication is more than forsaking all others. What if that was the only part of the vows? Do you promise to forsake all others? I do. 
Okay. Your bride expects a lot more than that. Amen? Can I tell you that he expects a lot more than that? It's not enough that we stop sinning. We must start living. You know, it's not this, sometimes we make it this, if I can only just not sin. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a bountiful life in living for God. According to scripture, it's life more abundantly. It's peace and joy. Do you know that there's actually joy in salvation? How many found that to be true? Here's what I have found. The the closer I get to God, the happier I feel about me. It is the truth. I might have some woe is me moments. I might feel like the prophet at some times where where all of a sudden I'm thinking I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe is me. But the closer I get to him, the better I feel. And what is that? It's because I'm getting close to his holiness. Trying to live holy or living in holiness is living with a desire to please God, not your friend. I need you you to hear something very clearly. You need to try to live a holy lifestyle to please God, not me. True. We've got to do it because we love God. According to Leviticus 11.45, holiness is our striving to be like God. We'll never be Him, but we should strive to be like Him. To be close to Him. The more time you spend with that friend, the more of their characteristics you pick up. Some of you husbands and wives that when you first got married, you didn't like, you didn't have the same taste buds at all. I'll pick on my wife for a second. When we first got married, she didn't like to eat Mexican food at all. Never wanted to go to the Mexican restaurant except for Taco Bell. That's a travesty right there. That's, put it down. Put it down, brother. Put it. Somebody's trying to amen you. I told them that we ain't having that. We... No, it's okay, but, <laughs> but now she likes going. Knows what she likes to order. Somewhere along the way. (laughs) She just submitted somewhere along the way to my... No, no. Part Part of the process... It's just from spending time together. Just from spending time together. The more you spend time with him, We can't expect to be like him if we're never here. Got to spend time with him. That's how holiness happens. Seeking God. Nobody in this place can make lightning strike. Nobody in this building can be in Boston and Beijing at the same time. Only God. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all the time. Thankfully, God doesn't ask us to be omniscient, omnipresent, but he does ask us to be holy. He didn't ask us to have any of those other attributes he has, but he said holiness, it's necessary. 
Hebrews 12 and 14, in fact, that God-inspired word, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Can I, can I just take a moment here and tell you holiness is not a, a list of thou shalt nots? Okay? We're not going to have some pharisaical law where we say, well, just added a new one today. We no longer golf. Really? Yeah, I had a terrible round. I think it's sin. <laughs> now, I do believe that there are pastoral preferences. I think we find that from the example of Moses. We get to determine where the fence on the mount. I've been to some churches where they had to preach against things that there was a weird spirit or weird people. And it was necessary. And they can set the mountain. I might not get up and harp on that stuff, thank God. But when it comes to basic doctrine, I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I've went probably around a thousand curves and I've never hit a guardrail, but I'm glad they're there. I'm glad they're there. I was driving... I was driving when my wife and I were just dating, starting to get serious. I was driving from northeast Ohio east across towards uh, um, Delaware where she was at. And I, I was going across 76 and there were these tall fences like 10, 12 feet tall. Ugliest things I had ever seen on the side of the highway. And I drove for miles and miles. And I was thinking to myself, those are hideous. What is the purpose? And about Several miles down, I don't know how many miles, all of a sudden I came and that fence was there and a giant boulder had it pressed out. And I found out I really like those fences. <laughs> Fantastic. How many parents in here know your kids need boundaries? Has any parent in here found that your kids will push boundaries? <laughs> Not my little angel. They're perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you something? We're his kids. And he knows we need boundaries. And somebody asked me one time, do you really think we'll get to heaven and, and some of this isn't necessary? I said, well, it depends on what you're talking about first. Because if it's doctrine or holiness, it matters. I said, but just in case for whatever you're talking about, if I get there, I don't think it's going to be on my mind what I could have done different not to get there. We have got to stop living, filtering things through, will it send me to heaven or will it send me to hell? And get back to filtering things through, does it please God? Does this make God happy? And like it, like it or not, I don't think you can dress any old way and it make God happy. Once you know. And at the same time, we don't expect people on their first night to know everything about God. Okay? Those of you that are, have been mechanics for decades, you don't expect some new guy first day on the job. What are you going to do? You get a little irritated with them. You're like, this is the dipstick, dipstick. This.
But what happens if your boss hears you demeaning a new employee? There's a chance that newbie will stay while you're gone. Hmm. I'm telling you, God trusts us to teach, but He expects us to teach with love. He expects us to teach with love, to be the example of that. Man, I feel my help in the house. Praise God. Holiness is not a, holiness is not a means to earn salvation. You can't earn salvation. Lifestyle disciplines do not, do not earn you heaven. What do I mean by lifestyle disciplines? The way you walk, the way you talk, the way we dress, the way we act. As Christians, the fact that we are a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. I'm going to tell you something. You, you need to understand this. The way you dress, live, walk, talk, the holiness of that, the reflection of what God has done on the inside becomes more about those being drawn to you than it even does for you. We should stand out in the world. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you have the right look but the wrong attitude, they will not be drawn to you. They will be turned away from you. You don't have to like it. It's right. It's true. Because I, I have encountered some right-looking people with some wrong Stinking attitudes. Come on, who's never been there? Well, I think. Need to go get the ghost again. It's not one or the other, ladies and gentlemen. It's the whole. It's the whole thing. Somebody says, well, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what what I dress because they, they dress whatever away. But I've seen their attitude. It's not either or. It's both and. Because the same people in conversation who have told me that it does not matter how a person dresses are the same people that got offended when I told them, well, then I'm going to wrap my Bible in a men's health cover. I'm going to be careful of the audience, but you, you understand what I... Oh, you can't do that to the word of God. Know ye not that your body is the temple? It's the temple of God. And here's the deal. You're not trying to look good to measure up to people. You're just saying, I want to be more like God. I want to be, I want to be holy like God. I want to be righteous like God. So let me tell you one of our fights right now, and people don't like this, but men need to dress like men, and women need to dress like women, and I don't care what anybody says. That's the book. That a man doesn't wear that which pertaineth to. That's the Bible. And now listen. I know we can go a lot of places and a lot of, and people want to ask really unique little questions. Not everybody understands it. Not everybody get. I understand that. That's why we don't harp and beat on. But we do tell people, you should be advancing. You should be growing. If you're in the same place you were a year ago. Well, I've been saved for 10 years. Then you know you're still on the wheel. You're still on the wheel. He's finding stuff in you all the time. 
Mm, man. We, we, we've, we, we've, we've got to strive. We've got to strive to be like him. Here, can you throw those photos up? I've got to, and I know, I, I know I'm going a little bit. Can I just teach just a few more minutes tonight? You okay? See that on the left? That's the same photo as the one on the right, but the one on the left is the negative, the one on the right is the developed. If everything to you about holiness is that it's bondage, I know your kind of people. I know you judge everything. Actually, you're judging me. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't judging you. You're judging me. You have preconceived in your mind because of a past hurt that you... And I wish I could go back and make them not hurt you, but they already hurt you. If you really want to talk about the hurt that happened in your life when somebody lied on you or the pastor hurt you or somebody... Let's deal with that because it really doesn't matter what you look like right now until we take care of that. You haven't given it to God, much less me. How many know I'm right in it right now? I'm in the, I'm in the middle of it. So we can look at living for God. We can look at holiness. We can look at lifestyle. We can look at it all either through the negative or we can allow the word of God to continue to develop. The old style. How many know the old school style? It was a long way from this digital stuff we've got now that you had to have it developed in the darkness. And I will tell you, and I think every, every seasoned vet in the room can tell you that you really find your holiness developed in the places where others are not around. Integrity proves itself in the darkness, not in the light. Praise God. In regards to attitude, holiness always begins on the inside, materializes on the outside. Jesus said, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful from the outside, but you are within full of dead men's bones, of all foulness and corruption. All uncleanness, Matthew 23 and 27. I, I'm going to go back. Man, I feel so prompted by the Holy Ghost. On this, on this dressing the way we dress. I take, a, I take a stance that I would simply call a biblical conservative stance on this. Okay? There are times as a pastor I've got to make calls when it comes to activities or events or things or places I want our girls to wear skirts. I do. I like our young men to wear pants. I do. Okay? Now, parents, if you disagree, make sure you come talk. Let's just talk through it. It's okay to have a differing opinion. But do not plant the seed of doubt in spiritual leadership in your child. This is, it's necessary. And some people say, well, that's silly. It doesn't, that doesn't need to happen or it doesn't need to occur that way. Please trust that from my vantage point, this is not, a, I know we're live stream. I have no, I have zero concern about any other pastor grading how I pastor. I don't care. Okay? But I do care about whether or not the next generation doesn't have to waffle in their belief system because some of us hit midlife crisis. 
You young, you young adults that are in here right now, it's okay to ask questions. Serious. I would rather you ask the questions rather than hold silently afraid you might be judged. Some people in you, you we've had very private, behind-the-scenes conversations where you've asked about something, and I'm able to tell you a preference. A preference. Tell me if it's sin. A lot of times, that's based on your heart. I don't, want to conf- I don't want to muddy any waters. I want to make this real clear. So I stand strong in the fact that we're trying. We're trying to reflect Christ. We're trying to reflect a holy church, a godly church. Take a, take a, take a look at, at Scripture, and I think it just proves itself. So, so then when we have this, what does our attitude look like? What is our Well, death and life are still in the power of the tongue. Don't let there be cor- corrupt communication. Don't let it come out of your mouth. According to Ephesians 4, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Okay? How many know our holiness? I think this is what I'm trying to get to. Lifestyle disciplines that are there. But but holiness is so much bigger than attire. And I don't want to offend anybody. I want to help you. But I want to tell you, holiness is your eyes. Holiness is your ears. Holiness is your tongue. It's certainly your heart. I've seen people use their attire as their get out of jail free card. It's not a get out of hell free card. But I feel bold as a lion right now. I, I, th- I tell you why. Because I feel like I'm standing between us and the world right now trying to... I, 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 want, I want everybody in the room to be saved. I want you to be saved. Praise God. So we guard what we do in mixed company. Psalm 101, the psalmist said, don't set any wicked thing before your eyes. I don't like movie nights for the kids. Well, show me that in the Bible. I I can show you don't set any wicked thing before your eyes. Well, we don't think that's wicked. I, I get you three times a week. But I am telling you this You go read the studies You go read the studies What's set before their eyes Let me give you some stats According to several sources The average teenager is going to see 40,000 murders on TV 200,000 acts of violence 2,000 advertisements for beer They're going to spend nearly The average teenager in our world Spends over 50 hours a week In front of a TV, computer, or cell phone Nine hours plus playing video games. Uh, You say, well, that's just kids. Well, I I understand. And thank God for our phones because for some of us, sometimes the phone is the cheap babysitter. I understand, but you just better make sure what that cheap babysitter is teaching them. In In order to be holy, we've got to be careful and we've got to be intentional. Stand, Stand with me, stand with me. You'll make me know i got to land this plane. <clears throat> In regards to your ears, James 3, the same mouth that blesses God ought not curse him or curse others. We've got to examine our playlists, our choices, the things that are playing into our ears. Parents, i got to remind us, we got to be careful what we listen to because we think they're asleep. 
One of the most famous groups in North America in the last 15 years was a group of apostolic kids. A group of apostolic kids whose parents were preachers. And when they did an interview, they said, while they thought we were sleeping, the music they listened to while they thought we were sleeping found a root in us. And we thought if they love it, Music is powerful. What are my practical questions to ask? I don't want these to sound, un- sound unrealistic. But would I watch or listen to it if, the, if I knew the Lord was right beside me? Would I want to watch or listen to it if my pastor was with me? <laughs> That's awkward. Will watching or listening this lead to anything more dangerous in my soul? Do you know there's something always tied to words? Words are the things that never escape. They never go. There's always, your words, they're always tied. The things you hear, the things you see. How many know you saw things 20 years ago you wish, you wish, you wish you could, you'll you'll fall at an altar in 2021 and your mind will see an image from 1974. That mistake in 2014 will find you. But the galleon preached about it on Sunday night that we've got to move forward. But I'm going to tell you, we can't move forward unless we give it to God and we strive to be like Him. In regards to appearance, Genesis 3.21, Exodus 20.26, Isaiah 47.2-3, Luke 8.27-35, 1 Timothy 2-9. and 9. We believe appearance matters. Our holiness to be like God. I believe Leviticus teach about that. Strike to be like Him. For our ladies, we're not embarrassed that we teach from the principles Paul taught to the church at Corinth from 1 Corinthians 11. We teach about that, that even nature itself proves for a woman to have uncut hair and a man to have cut hair. And if you really study it out, it's about prayer and submission. It's about prayer and submission. If any be contentious among you, we have no such cause. Paul said, we know no other way. We believe in the power. We believe in the power and the authority. Why? We are not trying to live up to the world's standards. Oh, Pastor Carson, I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure if, if that matters to me. A, I'm not trying to prove some big point in this moment. I'm trying to say, seek the face of God. Have an honest conversation. I'd love to do a Bible study or someone do a Bible study with you about any of these principles. But I will tell you that our core values core values as believers, our core strength has to be drawn from this word. It has to be drawn from this word. And those of you here tonight that are leaders in any capacity, you are an example. You are an example. But everybody else here that's going to walk into a workplace tomorrow, it's going to walk onto a campus tomorrow, you are an example. Would you lift your hands and voices with me, Lord? Give us the strength. Give us the tenacity to serve you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. We just want to live according to your word, not according to the world. We want to live according to to righteousness, not unrighteousness. We want to see those principles play out in our lives, oh God, that would please you. 
We thank you, God. We thank you, God, for the power of the Holy Ghost, for the blessing. Somebody say amen. amen. So then how do we, as we close, so then how do we respond if someone doesn't live up to our standard? Ladies and gentlemen, our standard can only be his standard. And he's the judge of that. So if, if someone has been coming here for five years or 10 years or 20 years or five minutes, it's not our job to police them along. Well, I didn't know if I'd be accepted to come worship. Absolutely. You come be a part of this body. Remember the little, remember the little pinky toe illustration earlier? Some of y'all got some toenails you wouldn't want anybody to see. How many know it's true? You got a little covering part of you that you don't want anybody. But again, you're not going to amputate them. Because it's part of your body. And you just love it the same. Just You just you love your toe. Just, here's, now listen to me. Just love one another. Let's just love one another. Let's worship God and let God draw people close to Him. And as God convicts, as God convicts, then let people grow. But we're not going to police each other. We're going to love God and worship God and magnify God. And everybody is welcome to come and serve the Lord. But how many know when the Holy Ghost does it, He will do a work? Praise God. How many are thankful you're not who you used to be? And how many know we still got a little ways to go?